Well, let's go ahead and find our seats as we start to deal with the Word of God this morning. We've sang about our Redeemer. We want to hear about Him today. We've been preaching through the book of Matthew. And this portion that we've been preaching through has called the Sermon on the Mount. And so we want to continue in Matthew 7 today with the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, 1 through 12. Matthew 7, 1 through 12. Sermon on the Mount actually starts in Matthew 5. We saw the Beatitudes. Also in Matthew 5, we saw about being witnesses in our community with being salt and light. We saw Jesus fulfill the law. We saw anger and murder and how Jesus dealt with the root of our sins. Also with lust and adultery, divorce and remarriage. Pastor Charles preached on oaths. Eye for an eye, love your enemy, give to the needy, how to pray, how to fast, treasure in heaven. Last week was don't worry, talked about anxiety. And this week we come to probably the most loved portion of the Sermon on the Mount by a lot of people. Do not judge This is about how we deal with human interactions with each other. Ask, seek, and knock. How we're to love one another by giving. And so the passage today we look at is how do we have relationships with those around us? And verses 1 through 6 Just to show my hand, we're going to go 1 through 6 and 7 to 12. 1 through 6 is things we should not do with our neighbor or to our neighbor. And and 7 through 12s are a positive, things we should do with our neighbor. And at first blush, a lot of times during messages, how many of you think of somebody else that really should have been here to hear that? This is not that message. This is for you. Because if you actually have those thoughts about who is missing and who needed this message, you're probably violating one through six. This message has made a lot of celebrities and songwriters great theologians in some ways. Listen to these lyrics of a song. Only God can judge me. Is that right? Only God can judge me now. Only God, baby. Nobody else, nobody else. All you other, beep, get out of my business. Only God can judge me now. Who wrote that? Tupac. (laughs) Tupac wrote that. The great theologian Tupac wrote that. Don't you look at me so smug. I say I'm going bad and say I'm going bad. Who are you to judge me and the life that I live? I know that I'm not perfect and that I don't claim to be. So before you point your fingers, 
Be sure your hands are clean. Judge not before you judge yourself. Judge not if you're not ready for judgment. (laughs) The road of life is rocking and you may stumble too. So while you talk about me, someone else is judging you. Judge not before you judge yourself. Judge not if you're not ready for judgment. Woo. The road of life is rocky, and you may stumble too. So while you talk about me, someone else is judging you. Someone else is judging you. Someone else is judging you. And it continues. Who sang that? Bob Marley sang that. Pretty spot on. The theology that some of these guys wrote is pretty spot on. But does it mean what they wrote it about? By what standard are we not to judge or to judge? Is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount telling us not to judge? No. So let's read what Jesus said, and you're going to go, wait a second. Matthew 7, 1 through 12. Judge not, wait a second, I just thought you said we weren't supposed to, okay. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see a speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say, to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? (laughs) You hypocrite. Take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs that which is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. What is Jesus getting at in these first six verses? He's saying, don't judge, but Before you read that, we are to judge, and we actually see judgment being had when we get down to some verses where he says, don't cast pearls before pigs or give what's holy to dogs. Well, it would seem like you would need to judge to know what a dog or a pig was. So what is Jesus getting at? Our culture loves this verse because it's that one verse or that one group of verses that they can hang on to, uh-uh, don't judge me. Don't judge me. And I ask this question, 
What standard, though, are we to judge by or not judge by? You see, our culture is becoming very quickly a culture of no standard. And so if there is no standard, how can a judgment be made? If it's my standard, I'm the only one who can handle a judgment with that. Very confusing if we don't have a standard in which to judge by or not judge by. You see, this is even crep in the church, this thought of, don't judge me, only God can judge me. And we seek ecumenical unity over doctrinal fidelity. If someone just names the name of Jesus, we're all about them being, that's our brother. That is not the case. By what standard, if they name the name of Jesus, are they living by? We had a 45th president that claimed to be a Christian. But when you looked at his life, could you make a judgment that he was a Christian or was not? I would say by what standard... And you didn't see holiness. You didn't see righteousness. You didn't see the things that mark a Christian of love. But he named the name of Jesus. And so am I to not have a judgment in that? Or am I to use the standard of what Scripture tells me to go, man, I don't know. We can go the other way, though. We can go the other way when people name the name of Christ, when they're a little different than us. Maybe they baptize a little different than us. Maybe they, they have a few different standards than us, and we go, uh-uh. Nope, nope. They drink alcohol. They can't be a Christian. Their hair is longer than what we really like. They can't be a Christian. Their wife wears pants. I remember growing up, my dad was Amish. And Amish have very high standards when it comes to modesty and other things. Maybe they're low standards, I don't know. But there were certain things that they marked as a Christian. If you didn't have electricity, uh -uh, you drove a car, and so I remember some of those things creeping into my family. We had electricity in a car. But I couldn't walk out of the house with what my dad called short pants or sissy pants. Now, can you imagine what the sissy pants were? Shorts. Yes, yes. Only sissies wore shorts. So I was not allowed, and Christians should never wear those things. And I remember the judgmental attitude going, hmm. So if I ever wore shorts, I had to sneak out, like with them underneath my pants. But those were some of the standards my family had growing up. I was not allowed to wear shorts unless I played soccer or basketball or baseball or whatever. Are those what we're talking about? Because we can go to one side or we can go to the other. They must not be a Christian. By what standard do we judge? There's a lot that 
we should judge today. It's been Women's International Month or Women's Month, and a dude was given by Jill Biden an award this month for being courageous, the Courage Award. Now, am I to judge that? Yes. By what standard is a man a woman or a woman a man? Well, I think the Bible speaks very clear by what standard. And so there's a lot of things in our society that become standardless. Become standardless. Are we to judge those things? Because what we hear in culture is, you can't judge me. In our culture today, we hear emotive language of love and acceptance espoused from our pulpits. But do we understand what those things really mean? Do we understand what love really is? That love is not just a feeling but it has with it language of discipleship, of doctrine, packed into it of unity around the scriptures. We want to unify, but unify about round what? We speak of heart transformation, but how do we measure that? By what standard? Do we judge? Too many times today, we live in this squishy, marshmallow, no substance time where don't judge because you know what? You don't know the truth. There's so much misinformation about what is truth. I try to find out something and there's 101 opinions on it. It's hard because you have so much information coming at you. And so in times when there's so much information coming at you, when people are saying love is love and what does that mean? We need unity in the body of Christ. What does that mean? It's hard to judge unless you have a standard. By what standard? And I posit we have the standard in front of us on our laps, the Word of God. You see, Jesus isn't saying, don't judge. He's saying, don't judge wrongly. Don't judge unrighteously. Don't judge against certain standards. He's saying, judge righteously. Judge rightly. You'll probably say, listen, Clee, you shouldn't have been judging. That, that courageous award that went to that dude that was called a woman. You shouldn't be judging like that, man. And I would say, it's righteous judgment to call sin, sin. If we're given an award to a woman, we give it to a woman, not to a dude. Does my life line up with Scripture when I look at myself? Because where judgment starts is at home with me I need to be judging me first and foremost the front door of my life needs to be judged first and foremost by me how does my life reflect the life that I should be living 
Am I giving glory to God? Does my life reflect the attributes that God says I should have? When I do sin, am I quick to seek forgiveness and reconciliation from those around me? If I have a problem with someone, do I go and talk to them? When I think about what is happening around me and in my, my sphere of influence and in culture, do I rightly look at the Word of God to see, is that correct? Is that righteous? Or is that deviated from truth and it's unrighteous? Judgment needs to start, the Bible says, in the house of God. And I would say judgment needs to start in your life first before you look out into someone else's life. So what is Jesus getting at with these first six verses? And I'm going to put it in a nutshell. He's saying, stop having a critical spirit. Stop criticizing everyone and everything. But Cleet, you just did that. He's not saying don't judge. He's saying judge rightly. He's not saying to not judge, but he's saying to stop judging unrighteously. Stop with the critical, haughty, proud, condescending spirit of judgment. Has someone ever crossed you and everything that they do from then on, you view with a critical spirit? I know people that live life like that, because I have. One time, they've crossed me, and now everything they do, I view with a critical spirit. That's ungodly. That's ungodly. And some of the most critical, unrighteous people are the ones that say, we should accept everything and everyone and have no judgment. Some of the most judgmental people I know. By what standard are we to judge? I think when we look at these verses, when we look at our life, how do we view those around us? With a critical spirit? Because I know, even when we see things wrong in our culture, are we praying about it? Are we praying for those people? Like our 45th president. Or our 46th president. Are we praying or are we just having critical spirit? What do we do when we judge? Makes a big difference in how we live our life. Because too many of us like to point out and righteously, and I put that in air quotes, judge correctly, yet what are we doing with that? Are we bringing it to God? Are we praying for our neighbor? Are we loving them by bringing them to the throne of grace that we need to be brought to every day when we wake up? Jesus is saying, judge, yes, but stop criticizing 
And when you judge, judge rightly. And when you judge rightly, do something about it. Pray for them. Love them. But then we get to verse 6. And we have to make a judgment. Because he says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. That takes judgment to know who a hog or a dog is. That's kind of, when I think about Jesus saying this, we, we think of Jesus meek and mild. Is he calling people hogs and dogs here? I tend to think so because of the situation. Jesus is getting at the heart of why we are judgmental. When we judge wrongly, there's several different reasons I think we do judge wrongly. I know for me, when, when I judge someone, I see from afar possibly, I can ascribe motives to those people. That may not even be their motive, but if they've crossed me before, I already know their motive when I don't. And we do that in all kinds of areas. We can do it in social economic areas. Why'd that rich guy do what he did? He must be greedy. Why did this person do that? We can do it in race. Well, that white person did that to me. You know what? Because they're white. They don't like black people. We can do it with each other in so many ways. Oh, that's just their culture. That's why they did that. They're this? Oh, they're just lazy. That's why they haven't done that. Oh, they grew up with just one parent. That's why they're the way they are. We can judge motives in so many different ways that is just wrong. And it's bearing false witness to ourselves when we do these things. Well, that black person, they just don't like white people. Or those white people, they just think they're superior because of white supremacy. There's so many different angles you can go with all this. Are we judging righteously? It's quiet, you know. Sometimes we judge because of personality. How many of you love my personality? Yeah, not many hands go up. <laughs> but sometimes we can judge by somebody's personality and judge unrighteously. I have met people when I first met them, they graded me. Many different reasons why. But when I got to know them, I found out these are godly people. But too many times, personalities get in the way of judging rightly. And so we must watch how we give motives to people, how we judge people with personalities. And then a third way that I thought of that I tend to judge people these are coming from me, so you're hearing what Cleet's been dealing with this week, is I'll see somebody in a moment of weakness and judge them that their whole life is just like that. 
That moment of weakness personifies their whole life. And that is just not the case. If you see me in a moment of weakness, please, I hope, that is not the personification of my whole life in that weakness. Just like when you see me in my best, that is probably not the whole totality of my life. But we judge people in those moments of weakness. Or on the flip side, we see someone do something really great and we think their whole life rests upon that thing. Then we find out they're human. (laughs) And they cannot stand up to what we've built up or tore down of them. We must judge rightly. Jesus is saying to judge rightly. And how do you judge You will be judged. And I don't think this is just talking about from a human perspective, though that will happen. If you're very judgmental, people will be judgmental with you. But I think from a God perspective, think about those verses about if you don't forgive your brother or sister, will you be forgiven? God says no. And I think in that same way he's saying If you want to keep judging and criticizing and having that spirit within you, you're going to be judged for that and by that. Jesus gives somewhat of a funny visual in my opinion. Jesus, I would have loved to hung out with him because some of these things we just take for granted. Like he's talking about a little speck of sawdust in somebody's eye. And then he's talking about this huge beam sticking out of this other guy's eye. And the the guy with the beam goes to the guy with the little speck of sawdust and says, "Ah, I see sawdust in your eye. Not even realizing he has this massive beam, beam on his eye. I was thinking about what are some other analogies that could be used. And I was thinking about, I am not a male model. But um, maybe one of you guys are. But it'd be like uh, me going up to Arpeth looks more modelish with the suit. I've got this big zit right on the forehead, and I see he's got just a, a little little something he could wipe off. I go, man, look, you're gonna have a photo shoot like that? It's like, dude, wipe that little that little something off your nose. And I've got this huge zit going. I'm on the photo shoot next. I see nothing wrong with me. It's that type of thing. You're not rightly judging yourself, but you're seeing very clearly, supposedly, what's in the other guy's eye when we know if you have a beam sticking out of your eye, you're not seeing that clearly to see what's in somebody else's eye. Now, does that mean we shouldn't judge? Or help that person? No. Jesus is gentle, and we all know that. Listen to this Charles Spurgeon quote. Jesus is gentle, but he calls that man a hypocrite who fusses about small things in others and pays no attention to the great matters at home in his own person. Is that not the way it is? Our house can be on fire. 
Yet we see an ember from our house being on fire float over to the neighbor's house and we go, hey, your house is on fire, bro. And don't even look at our own house. We should judge rightly. Think of David, man after God's own heart, the Bible says. He has an affair, takes a wife that wasn't his from a guy, gets her pregnant, has the guy killed, living life. And Nathan, the prophet, comes to him and tells him a story about a rich man who had tons of flocks. And there was a poor man that lived by him that had one little lamb. And the rich man comes to him and takes his little lamb and devours it and eats it when he had all these flocks. And David was incensed. He was mad. And rightly so. That story would get you upset. Justice needs to happen. And Nathan points his finger and says, you are that man. How can you be judging a sheep? Yet you've taken a man's wife who he was one with. But that is how it goes when we have a beam in our eye. We can be incensed in those ways. Are you concerned about truth? Are you concerned about righteousness? Are you concerned about God's truth? Because if you are, you will be judging at your front door first. You will be seeking to live righteously. Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness Judgment starts at the household of God and judgment starts with yourself. I think there's two dangers that we can get into when we're talking about judgment. I'm not going to judge because I don't want people judging me, so I'm not going to confront nothing. Like I'm staying in my little area and none of y'all come over here and ask me about myself because I'm not telling you nothing. And so we get this spirit of it's just me. I'm minding my own business. I'm not getting involved. That is unrighteous. The Bible talks about iron sharpening iron, loving one another, exhorting. And sometimes... That, that exhorting takes a role of, bro, I've seen this area of your life. But have you done the work in your own life to be able to actually confront a brother who is sinning or a sister who is sinning? Because that actually takes some work, takes humility. But too many times we don't want to put in the effort. And so when we see something, it's just like, I hope they get it right with God. 
Are you praying about the situation before it's confronted? Are you bringing it to God? Are you asking, seeking, knocking on that brother or sister's behalf for them? I don't want to get involved. But then there's, a, I think, a second danger we can have. We have no discernment. I'm not judging nothing. Like, falsehood, okay. Oh, that could be your truth, bro. No. There's a standard by which we judge. But too many people say, I ain't judging nothing. Whatever, I don't care. And this leads to heretical thinking. This leads to bad doctrine if we don't do these things. What areas of life do you see that you are hypocritical and need to repent? What areas of life are you hypocritical and need of repentance in? Jesus goes on to say, Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you we must discriminate who are dogs and who are hogs you don't give holy things to the dogs and you don't cast pearls before swine the bible says when people are completely opposed malicious to the gospel of jesus christ unholy, antagonistic. They are a hog and a dog. Let's go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. Chapter 2. And I want you to do some study this week. Pastor Mike's going to be talking about false prophets next week, but this kind of ties into that. Verse 22 says, What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. The preceding chapter there talks about false prophets. Verse 1 says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there were false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And it goes on to continue that sins were being accepted into the church. These People were false. When I said judgment begins at the household of God, I meant that. If we deviate from this scripture here, we need to be called in account of what we're preaching. When we become antagonistic to the gospel that is in the word, we become a hog and a dog. Jesus is saying, stop wasting what is holy on those who are hogs and dogs. You see, dogs in 
back in those days were not your cuddly little um, Bailey dogs. We've got Bailey and Dexter. What's your dog's name? Raya. And many other dogs here are sweet little dogs. Those weren't what was happening. How many of you have seen the real dogs of Detroit? Yeah. Rode past the real dogs of Detroit on your bike. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Those mutts that are feral, that come after you. That's what it was back in biblical times. We didn't have cutesy little dogs. Now, they had some shepherd dogs, maybe. But most of the dogs were rough. And people would throw scraps out just to get them away to them. We have pictures of dogs in the New Testament. But what Jesus is saying, don't throw even the the morsels, the scraps to these dogs. They don't deserve it. False teachers is what we're talking about here. So many of them, and I'm not even going to get into naming names right now, maybe Pastor Mike will next week, that are on TV or on the internet that claim the name of Christ, that have no Holy Spirit living within them because when you match what they're saying to the Word, it doesn't match. So this was, how do we treat each other? Stop having a critical spirit. Judge righteously. Do not judge unrighteously. Stop complaining. And if you judge righteously and somebody's in error, pray for them. Love them. But judgment starts in your house first. It's your front door first. And it must start there before you can judge rightly what's going on in other people's lives. So we want to move on quickly. I know I'm going... Um, it's probably my longest message ever. No, not quite. Um, we want to go on to the second portion of this scripture, and I'm going to move fairly quickly, but what not to do, and, and the second portion is what to do. What to do unto others. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who re- asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This passage reminds me of Matthew 22 where it will actually come out that these Pharisees, they tried to stump Jesus. And they wanted to play this game of which is the best, which is the highest commandment. We're going to get him. And, and it also says, I don't know if we have any, any uh, lawyers here, but one of them was a lawyer. Now, they're always usually good at trying to stump you, right? So they thought, we're going to get him this time. So they asked him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law, and the prophets.
When I read this passage of Scripture, that's what I was reminded of. These two commands hang all the law and the prophets. How many of you in Sunday school talked about the law? The kids did. Yes, they talked about the Ten Commandments. And Jesus is saying, those Ten Commandments hang on two of these commandments. Love the Lord your God. The first four commandments. And 5 through 12, the other, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what those hang on. Loving God and loving your neighbor. Now, we are told many different ways that we are to love our neighbor. And I will posit to you this. All you need to do is go to Exodus 20 to learn how to love your neighbor. All you need to do, go to Exodus 20 to learn how to love the Lord your God. Because that is how you love your neighbor by going to Exodus 20. That is how you love God is by going to Exodus 20. And Jesus here really one-ups it even because he says, what you want done to you, do also to others. I love back rubs. I do that to my wife sometimes. Now, I don't give her foot rubs because I don't like foot rubs. No, what do you want done to you? Think about that. What are some things that you want done to you? You want people to judge you rightly, don't you? Well, maybe you should judge others rightly then. You want people to be giving and nurturing to you. Well, the Bible, in this passage, Jesus is saying, do that to other people. You want to have sympathy for when you're not feeling well or your thoughts are in jumble? Do that for other people. You want love and acceptance. Are you doing that for other people? Jesus is saying, this isn't just something you don't do. Like sit over in your corner like, I ain't messing with nobody, so I'm not going to covet, I'm not going to steal from them, I'm not going to do any of that which is good, you shouldn't. He's saying also though, now, do. Do for others. Things you want done to you. It's not just a negative, don't do. This is a do. That's harder said than done, is it not? We love ourselves. And I would say the, the massive sin in, in our culture or our society is selfishness. Self-gratification. Everything is about self. Even pictures we take now are called selfies. Cameras used to be pointed that way. Now they're pointed this way. But it's emblematic of our society, is it not? Everything is about me. God is saying, no. How you want to be treated? Treat others. Treat others. But God wants us to love Him too. And God is a good, good Father. Do you see God as a good, good Father? I know so many of us have had messed up families. 
And so it's hard that that fatherly concept can be kind of mired and marred in, in some realities that kind of stink. But God is a good father. And he goes on to say, you know, you who are evil, you know how to give good things to your kids? Like when he asks for stone, you give him, like ask for bread, you give him a stone. I don't know how many kids ask for stone. Or, or he asks for this and you would give him that. No, no, no. Fathers typically try to do what's good for their kids. How much more do I want to do for you? But what you've got to do is ask, seek, and knock. I'm thinking about this week we're fasting and praying. So Wednesday night we're going to come together and pray and have a meal together. We're going to fast that day. That's one way we knock on our Father's door. I need you. Will you take that time to really engage God? Will you take that time to worship God by going, you are the only one, only one that deserves the praise and adoration. Will you do that this week. Are you spending time with God in prayer? Are you worshiping Him in that way or do you got it all together? I know too many times I like to take the steering wheel and steer whatever's going wrong or whatever's going right and however I feel about it. God is saying, come to me. Worship me. You want righteous judgment? Start worshiping me. I will give you righteous judgment. God wants us to be positive with others around us. With our time. Are you giving to others time? We all want others' time. Are you giving time to others? Friendships. Are you looking out for the needs of others around you or are you just self-focused? Talents. God has given so many people talents and all they use them for is self-gratification and building their kingdom. Are you helping others when it comes to talents? And I could list and list and list, but hopefully the Holy Spirit is working on your heart and mind in this. So let's sum up this message. Judge rightly. Don't have a critical spirit. Start with yourself, knowing that we are all being people. And we're the speck people. Jesus didn't say, hey, don't help your brother. He said, take out the bean and then go to him. Don't be a hypocrite. And are you spending your resources, your time, your talent for yourself only or for those around us? And then, are you worshiping God? Are you seeking? Are you asking? Are you knocking are you worshiping God through prayer, through fasting, 
through seeking Him. He is the ultimate gift giver. So that is the Word of God to us today. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, I come to You. Holy Spirit, I need Your help to do these things. I need You to bear witness in my soul that I need You. Father, we we come to You in confession. God, we do not just want to not do things to people. We want to actually do things for people to show Your glory and Your love. So Father, I pray that Your will be done with this message. I pray that if I've said anything that goes against Your word, that it would be stricken from the memory of those who heard it. But God, I pray, amplify Your word in our minds. And in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Please rise to respond with the song.